If you're listening to this podcast on an Android, you should check out the Podcast Republic app. It's available on the Google Play Store and has thousands of great reviews. So it's not just me telling you it's good. It's many people out there. You favorite your favorite shows, they download when they post new episodes, and you get to listen to your shows like Dissecting the 80s that simply. So check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who knows that sometimes dead is better. The Macho Mandrew. And True Lano. I... That sounded no. I don't have a Fred Gwynn impression. <laughs> it sounded Michael Caney. Go ahead. A little Michael Caney, or um, I'm the captain now. <laughs> that is uh, better. It was not trying to be that guy. No, I know, but it's just the cadence. Fred Fred Gwynn's very. You gotta like. Yeah, it's more so like a southern jowlage. A bit. Yeah. You can see what my face is doing, but it's very like close your lips around yourself. So. Everything kind of has to go through the middle of your mouth. Not everything that dies needs to stay dead. No. Sometimes, no, that's the opposite. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, that's the, basically the story he tells them when they do the, the cat at the beginning. It's like, not everything that dies needs to stay dead. That's true. He was such a fast... We'll get into it, but I... Yes. Uh, we're watching Pet Cemetery because Pet Cemetery comes out... <laughs> This week or last week, I forget the exact timing, but soon or then. So you and, know what that means. And if the new one doesn't end with John Lithgow hitting a dead child in the chest and going, get out of here. Can't you see we don't want you anymore? <laughs> I'm done. I demand a refund. <laughs> uh, go on. Get out of here. Go back to the cemetery. And then a bunch of other, like, zombies come out and, like, welcome him into the cemetery. <laughs> exactly. With <laughs> the weird like, paper mache, your next masks. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> anyway, we watched Pet Cemetery, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your unsupervised child. Something's gotta be done about your unsupervised child. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott! Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So we start with a very classy Paramount fanfare. It makes me think of, uh, watching VHS tapes with this, and it would always say... Absolutely, absolutely. And now... Your feature presentation. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, have you seen this before? Because I thought I had seen it before, but I don't think that I actually had. I think I've seen the second one multiple times. I've definitely seen one. the second one with the motorcycle thing. I've seen, I think I've seen this once or twice. The, I, I remember, I've, I've definitely seen the uh, Zelda sequence out of context as a young child. And we'll get into that when it shows up because I remember yeah. other things. But then I recently watched uh, the Dead Meat YouTube channel Kill Count for this movie. Uh-huh. Because I forgot we were doing it. So I like had like a mini refresher. Because it's like basically a 15-minute recap of the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then yeah. I watched the full movie. It starts with the classic Stephen King creepy children's choir. Yeah. It, I have to say, I really 
found the score to make the movie so much more scary. Like this, this is the perfect use of creepy kids choir to heighten things and like really boost it. I thought the whole sound design of this movie was really effective. The, yeah. the trucks, cause the semi trucks that drive by their house, it happens with some some frequency, I would say. And it, and every time the sound of them is very scary and I don't know how they do it. It's right. just, I don't know if they do anything special or it's just the way it's placed or whatever, but it's very scary every time that like <clears throat> happens. Right, right. That sort of Doppler effect thing. Um, we should say we never remember to do this right at the top. So right here at the top, uh, the movie is available on Hulu. So if you and like Amazon to- Prime. Oh, okay. Um, so if you have either of those and you want to check this out, um, it, it's it's easily available. So uh, also real quick before we start doing plot too much. So King wrote this screenplay, which is uh, not usually a recipe for success, but mm-hmm. in this case, I think works out pretty well. And the director is a woman named Mary Lambert who. Before this, had done a lot of music videos and some really famous stuff. She did like a prayer and like a virgin and Material Girl from Madonna. It's I I love her filmography uh, and uh, one that is near and dear to your your heart for sure. Halloween Town Two. Did she Calabar's Revenge? She did Calabar's Revenge. <laughs> I don't. I did not write down the subtitle. Yeah, it's Halloween Town Halloween Two. Calabar's Town Revenge. Two. Yes, and. Uh, noted softcore pornography f- series, The Red Shoe Diaries. Oh. I wonder if uh, in 1988 anyone was like, but gee, this studio is making a big gamble that this music video woman director can direct a feature-length film. Right, I'm sure. Uh, except that they didn't have Twitter to bitch about it, so they just like were sad in their basements about it. Uh, the, this, this movie starts with a family moving to a new house. It's no, it starts really... with three minutes of establishing shots of a pet cemetery, <laughs> okay. and good yeah, lord, no, is right. it too yes. many, too I many did, minutes. I, did a, I will say I did a couple 10-second skipperuskies, so it was like, all right, I, I after a minute, I had a fully elapse of, like, slowly panning over it, it was like, okay, I get it, I, I'm gonna skip a couple of these. Um, because they're all, like, crude children's tombstones, like, the Tombstones made by children, not uh, for children. The production design like, is amazing in this in the pet cemetery. It feels yeah. real and it feels unsettling, and I like it a lot. Right, right. But then we get to this family, and they're moving to a new house. It's not really explained why uh, he got a new job. Dad's a doctor. Okay, but it seems like they might be like. It seems like not everyone in the family has seen this house. Like maybe he went on alone or something. It's very weird to me. Oh, maybe I didn't think about that. Um. They have a, a daughter and a young son, and the daughter uh, is Ellie. Yes, thank you. And she, okay, I want to talk about this. I can't remember the exact sequence where it comes up, but they're like starting to unpack the car. The daughter gets out and she goes to get on this tire swing, and then we see this cat in the cat carrier. I love this is, cat carrier. It looks like what you would see at a theme park where a cat was in a thing, and then the cat gets exploded. Like, like it because it's, it's theme park. Like, it, it really reminded me of Alien Encounter. Like, you remember? Oh, you that, the like, transport tubes in the beginning yeah. with Skippy. So there was this ride in Disney World a long time ago, but it was like the the premise of it being they're going to like transport you to other places or to an alien place. And they're like, look, the technology works. And they have this really cute little alien. And then you hear like a, alarm bells go off and the thing explodes in the tube. And there's like chunks of goo. A- and this cat carrier is like relatively solid sides it's sort of like a soft or curved triangle shape no but it's the it's, it's a it's the flat bottom rounded with a, like a like a sort of rounded tube but it's like uh, 
clear plexiglass. It's like the weirdest design for a cat carrier you could possibly. I'm have. into it's it just, so the cat can see. It's, it's but like the cat can look out of a cage as as well. It just seems very odd. No, so uh, it's a carriers are different than cages. I've no, I just enough. I know like slightly more about animals than you do, and that's it. No, but it. like people have pet carriers. It's like a plastic thing with a cage door. Yeah, but so like the 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 cl- the ones that are more like this are designed so the animal can see more and kind of calms them down so they don't feel like they're trapped in a weird space. Well, anyway, it looks like a very 1980s product, and it's the only thing in this movie that feels 1980s-y, so I, I just thought it was very interesting. Yeah, I like it. And the cutest little boy actor. Do you know who he is? Uh, Heather Langkamp's son in New Nightmare. Uh, also, perhaps more importantly, maybe it's a tumor. Wait, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. The, from Kindergarten Cop. It's not a tumor! That's the, He's Arnold's antagonist in Kindergarten Cop. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. He's also a very talented child actor, which He's is so good. Yes, I was blown away. And you listeners who have listened to this show for any length of time know that it takes a lot for a child actor to impress these two old monsters you're listening to. And I was like blown away genuinely. He he has two completely different performances for the two roles he's playing in this movie and they are both awesome. So It's amazing. Yeah. Um and it's crazy. I, I I wonder how much went like when they're filming stuff where he's like you know has a scalpel and he's slicing someone up like right. What I wonder what this his his version of the quote unquote script because I'm sure he's not reading. I'm sure it's, it's right. like parents kind of coaching him. So right, I wonder right. what they told him he was doing. <laughs> You're just playing. Everybody's having a good time except for. No, but I mean, like, what, like, you have to tell him, like, I imagine you'd be like, okay, so now you're, like, this is what's happening. Like, you know, you're going to be carving a pumpkin, or, like, so, like, what did they tell him that he was doing so that he didn't, he never knew he was going to be, like, stabbing Gwyn, what's his name? <laughs> Fred Gwyn. Fred I Gwyn. really hope they weren't, like, you're going to carve a pumpkin, and then he walked in and they were like, all right, stab Fred Gwyn. No, 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 I mean, like, so, a lot of I times. I I'm just, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. A lot of times, listeners, if you if you're like when they film stuff with kids, they'll film deliberately one sided looking so that they can shoot just the kid alone and it doesn't have to have any context for them. A lot of it, like a lot of his stabby stuff, is not like he's not stabbing directly into. It's not his face stabbing into Fred Gwynn. Okay, but there's several scenes where he is like actively stabbing and fighting people. Yeah, that's why I'm curious. So anyway, the daughter gets on this tire swing. She starts swinging and she falls and like scrapes her knee. And so the parents are looking at her. And meanwhile, the kid starts wandering toward the road. Fred Gwynn comes running across and saves him. Check off where we learn. Yes. This is where we learn that this house is next to a massively busy road where truckers just fly down this road at speeds that seem wildly unsafe for the, the terrain. I feel like in 2019, some mom with an angular bob haircut would have petitioned to get speed bumps put on that road. Yeah, I mean, at the ver- yes, that would be a solution. But at the very least, like, these houses need fences. Like, this movie doesn't happen without it, so I get that there's no fence. But, like, it, the conceit of this movie is there's so many animals of the local neighborhood children, even though we never see any neighborhood, just these two houses – have yeah. died because of these trucks, and no one thinks like, you know, maybe we should. I don't know. 
throw a couple fences up and like just prevent this from being an, a daily occurrence that some animal gets creamed by an 18 wheeler. I agree. Um, and the reason why I, I said before I, I, I didn't see the note, but the reason why I say, oh, I think this family may not have seen the house is if I was looking at this house and I saw this like very manicured trail that's marked by a stone path, there's a 0% chance I'm not walking down it to see what's back there before I buy this house. Like, even just from the standpoint of curiosity, I would have to know. I agree. And the family doesn't seem to have any idea that they are, like, I don't know, 200 yards from a lot of dead pets. Yeah. And it's it seems like uh, Fred Gwynn doesn't tell them that it's a pet cemetery before they get there. When he does eventually no, show them. No, he doesn't. Yeah. I also, so I literally just finished this movie like a half an hour ago. Then watched a YouTube video that compares the book to the movie because I was curious, and then yeah. watched the tr- the latest trailer for the new Pet Cemetery. The new Pet Cemetery looks wildly different. How how so? Uh, it looks like it's the daughter who gets hit by the car, the truck, oh. not the little boy, and okay. that the daughter discovers the Pet Cemetery of her own volition, just wandering oh, around their like new wandering house in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. I mean, I hope they they stray from the native burial ground idea because that's just super shitty and old, like tired at this point. I I don't think it gets used very often. And I really think part of what I ended up digging about the movie is the consequences for white people for like going after and taking advantage of things that have, you know, native lore to them. And I like part of it, I really liked that it's like a little bit of oh, you mess with stuff you shouldn't be messing with. You conqueror. Uh, what's the word they use in... Conquistador? Uh, no, no, no. What's the word they use in Black Panther? Oh, I cannot remember. I feel like it starts with a C and it's going to drive me crazy. Anyway, someone will tweet it at us. But I, I don't know. I, I, I see your point. Um, actually, along that line, this is not a spoiler. Um, I just saw Us today. I am so excited to see Peele. it. So there's a, there's a boardwalk that's part of the plot of the movie and there's a like haunted uh like hall of mirrors type attraction that we see like at two different time periods one is in the past and one is in the present and in the past it's called like the i i'm not 100 percent sure but it's called something like the navajo spirit quest and then the new version of it, it's like the exact same thing. They just put a new sign on it. It's like Merlin's quest <laughs> because, because like, you know, cultural sensitivity toward being crappy about those things has changed. And it was just a little piece of the thing that I found a little bit amusing. Oh, that's but yes. Anyway, I, it, I am sure that it will be a native burial ground, native American burial ground in this new movie. It's just the only thing that makes any sense. I don't know. It doesn't look like it. Like it looks weird, but it isn't, it, it looks, it looks like they've kind of strayed away from that. But like, it's just so bizarre that, like, the idea for a while, the idea of a native burial ground was so fascinating to us because, like, every culture does something with their dead. Right. And a lot of them bury them. So I don't know why, like, native burial grounds were so magical when, like, so I, I think most- you're missing, I think you're missing the, like, element of people messing with stuff they're not supposed to be messing with. Which is like the reason why it's in Poltergeist. The reason it's like you're disrespecting something you should have a lot of respect for, and it is some white people nonsense of like, oh, their burial, the in the, the Native American cemetery burial ground is protected by some sort of curse. Is obviously like some very 
yeah. Well, no, because this movie says thing. that the native, the Micmac natives used it too to right. bring things back to life. So it, it's right. not, I don't know. And like that they stopped because it was too bad. So like, right. I think right. things went bad for them. No, but I'm just saying like poltergeist being the other example that springs to well, mind yeah. is like, oh, you, you desecrated this, this burial ground. Like you've, you've done something evil and this is why this is happening. Yeah. They get the tire so, swing up real fast. Yeah, we do. That and night, I also back like, up. <laughs> I also like the moment where Fred Gwynn, like, saves the kid and he has, like, a quick conversation with the family. And he, like, alludes to the, some, the, you know, not only the danger of the trucks, but some other things. And he starts talking about it. He's like, well, I'll tell you that story another time. And then just, like, disappears. It's like, wait, that is not the kind of thing that I want to have happen. So... But the tire swing goes back up, and the dad goes across the street to Fred Gwynn, and he's, like, drinking a beer on his porch, and he's like, come on up and have a Budweiser. And they sit down and do some jaw and, like, you know. The doctor is handsome and a terrible actor. Yeah, he's really not good. It's really annoying because later in the movie, he sort of, the idea, I believe, is that he's supposed to have sort of become a shell of his former self, just like the things that come back. Like, he's sort of dead inside. Yes. And he's got this, like, thousand-yard stare and, like, a very wooden performance. But the problem is he's been wooden and dead-eyed from the beginning. Right, right. He's not a good actor. And, uh, frankly, the mom isn't great either. She's given me more emotion than him. He's no, literally, like, like, he looks at his daughter's dead cat and his response is, yeah, that's her cat, all right. What? I think he hates the cat. Like, I think part of him is, is like, genuinely relieved that the cat gets hit by a truck, but then he has to deal with it. But hold on, we're jumping around here. So um, he goes over, talks to Fred Gwynn. Um, we, we come back for, like, an unpacking montage, and then we do a family hike to the pet cemetery with Fred Gwynn, which is just a bizarre family activity, I well, think. Like he said, he didn't tell them it was a pet cemetery. He was like, Arthur, what's the end of that trail, eh? Huh? Yeah. So... We walk back to the cemetery, and he gives this really creepy speech to the daughter that's like, it's like, this is where the dead can talk. And she's obviously freaking out. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, I, this is, I mean, that is like a place of pleasant. Like, you can come here and, you know, have your memories of your pets and stuff like that. But she is not having it. And the dad even has to do, like, a quick intervention of, like, hey, uh, stop it. I mean, he, <laughs> to be fair, Fred Gwynn is trying his hardest. No, Fred Gwynn is the carrier of this movie. Like, if he he is by far the best performance here, and I don't think that Fred Gwynn is a great actor, but I think he's good in this movie. I, I really enjoy him in this movie, and it's in his character in any other version of this movie would be like the devil himself. Like, it would yes. end with like, you know, he'd be in a red suit or whatever, absolutely, and be like, yeah, of course I told you about the pet cemetery because I need souls or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like h- halfway to that character, but then, but not because he's it's it's a very interesting character, right? And we'll get into that a, a little bit later when that comes up. So, um, back at the house, the uh, sort of creepy maid, I think, character, the unnecessary maid. Yeah, they they have this maid, and she's kind of like creepy and unsettling, and um, I, I, she doesn't add a whole lot to the movie, but she's here for like small parts for some reason. She's here three times. Right. She shows it's up really here. Extraneous. She shows up l- later. No, she showed up earlier. Then she shows right, up we now. we skipped over it. Yeah. And then she shows up her last time when she kills herself. 
Right, right. She's she's there when they arrive and like helping them unpack a little bit and is like clutching at her stomach and like in serious pain and not wanting any help. Um, and so he, she again like refuses help. He's like, let me take a look at you. Like come into my office. I'll, I'll do it. And she's like, no, no, no. I don't want that. Um, the couple have like a little fight in the morning and it's like one of those dumb little things that neither person's actually all that mad, but they're like in the moment kind of heated. Yeah. And it's a really nice bit of writing where they have that little fight. And then a couple minutes later, she walks out of the house as he's like getting in the car and is like, Hey, still friends doc. And they have this like little moment of reconciliation. And I feel like it told me a lot about both of these characters in this one little tiny interaction. I agree. That, yeah, it was it was nice. I, just like a little bit of writing that sold you a lot in just a couple sentences. I thought was really good. Yeah. Um. So he's taking the cat to get neutered, which ultimately doesn't really mean anything. Um. But the I think the idea was that a neutered cat is not going to be as likely to wander across the like wander around. Fred Gwynn tells him to do it. He says it'll help. Yeah. And then we get and a slow mo close up it. on some gore. The maid refers to it as getting his balls chopped off. No, his nuts cut. Sorry. Yeah, the dude, the doctor is at work, and this dude comes in with a horrific head injury, like really graphic American Werewolf in London type stuff. They say he got hit by a truck, and I was like, was he sitting, was he like on all fours in the road? And the right. front bumper hit his head? Like, what happened? Yeah, it makes no sense. He is graphically wounded for, and right in, this, right in the head. It's very strange. It's excellent practical effects. Uh, this movie's Definitely. effects are amazing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, and he's on the table, like, clearly dead, and then, like, does a jump scare, comes back to life, and warns the doctor about uh, the he, soil of a man's heart. The soil of a man's heart is stonier. And then he dies. Yeah. And then... I don't, I'm curious, because it's very American Werewolf in London, and I'm curious yes. if it's, like, I don't remember, I don't think, I think it said the book is not quite as um, physical embodiment of the dead the dead college kids throughout the whole book, because in the movie, he physically appears a lot and, like, yes. has powers over the real world somehow. It's very nebulous. Yeah, they're not really, like, powers per se, it's like ghosty stuff. It's just I, I I wish I wish the movie was more clearly defined because it it brings up a lot of points, but if the actors didn't say the thing, I would not have thought that myself. Like there's nothing sure. at one point. Um, Fred Gwynn's like, oh, you know the the pet cemetery is like killed your kid because I showed it to you, and I was like, but if you didn't say that, nothing else in the in the language of film leads me to believe that that happened. Well, it's also it's not the pet cemetery; it's the burial ground. Oh, the, sorry, the, is, the burial yeah, ground. Yeah, um, but yeah, it is. It I agree. It doesn't. That does not seem that that's the thing. Because the later that night, when the the doctor is asleep, uh, the the dead college kid appears. He's visited as, by the ghost of a dead college student, <laughs> who is peeing on his front lawn. Yes, and threw up in his mailbox. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the ghost of parties past, bro. We're up next at beer pong. 
I can't take these 40s off until I finish them. You gotta undo my zipper, bro. I have to pee. (laughs) It's not gay if you touch it for this purpose. Um, and the kid, so he, the, the college kid appears and he's like, hey, follow me. And the doc closes his eyes and the kid's gone. He's like, oh, I'm, you know, having a dream. And then the kid shows up, like, again, is like, no, no, brah, come with me. Right, right. And at this point, I was like, oh, I guess for some reason, the burial grounds are using this kid's body to, like, tempt him and show him what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except, no, he's just legitimately warning him about the dangers. And I was like, it's like the Silent Hill movies that all open with someone telling someone, don't go to Silent Hill. And they go, I've never heard of Silent Hill, but now I have, and I guess I'll go. Like, (laughs) if you don't say the thing. Right. Great square one. Yeah, yeah. It is also weird to me, like, I, I don't quite understand why this kid is being sent as a messenger. Yeah, like, I don't, he he doesn't have any stake in this game. Right, and he says it's like, I was able to do this because you showed me a kindness, but he doesn't, like, he just, like, the kid Closed comes his in. dead eyes. Right, the kid comes in, and it is clearly too far gone to help him, and he dies on the table, like, almost the second he gets into the, the operating room, and then he closes the kid's eyes, and that's it. It's not like he, you know, was... Deleted his <laughs> browser history. Right. <laughs> Bro, you've got to clear my cash. Clear those cookies. <laughs> Delete that file that's called home, a folder called homework. <laughs> it's nested within nine other files. Ah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, he's like, oh, you showed me a kindness, so I'm trying to help. And then, like, later he's appearing to the daughter in her dreams. It's just all very weird. Like you said, nebulous powers is a good way to put it. And then he shows up later to the mom, and the mom can hear him. Right. It's very bizarre. And even the ghost seems a little surprised by that part. Yeah. And then later he control he, he stop he, I don't understand why he, he has so much power. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He like stops a door from closing so a plane can take off. He points out a car to a used, to a car rental lady and she goes into a trance. Like, yes. what is happening? And also the car rental lady is not going to rent this car to this woman who paid for it already because it has a scratch on the door. Hello. That is not how car agencies work anymore. Maybe it was back then. So I don't know. But like I've been rented cars in all sorts of shape. <laughs> yeah. They're like, look, you have to pedal this car. <laughs> yeah. There's a hole in the floor and you do a Fred Flintstone. That'll be $500 a day. Get out. Right. It only starts if you yell, <laughs> and you put a giant slab of meat on your hood. <laughs> it's going to tip the whole car over. <laughs> the, the, this mirror actually is a breakaway mirror for that reason. <laughs> Uh, so then he, so the guy takes him to the pet cemetery and points to this like thorny bramble, and he's like, "That's the veil. Don't go over that barrier. Like that's the bad place over the hill." And it turns blue and sounds spooky. And again, if you didn't say that, like it doesn't look like a structure that's supposed to be climbed. It looks like a very def- clearly defined wall. I'm like, oh, that's just the edge of the space, and I'm not. Co- Why would I go beyond that? Doesn't I don't think there's anything beyond that. And never in a million years would I think, like, let me scrabble up this pile of brush. Yeah, no, I'm not a, I'm not a 10-year-old on summer vacation. Like, Right. <laughs> this is not a 
joyous child adventure. But then so, he is back in his bed with muddy feet. Yeah, yeah. I do love a good, like, oh, it was all a dream. What? Type reveal. But I also want one step further for, like, it was a dream. No, it wasn't. And then he wakes up and it was a dream. Like, I like a... I like to go even further with it. A double fake out? I want a whole movie of just that. <laughs> it's just a continuous, you never know where reality begins and ends. Yeah. So the mom and the kids leave to go visit her parents in Chicago, uh, who for seem to hate him already. Yeah, they do. And it's Thanksgiving. Yes. And so he's he stays behind to do doctoring, and while he's home alone, the cat dies and ends up in Fred Gwynn's yard, like, frozen to the... To the to the ground by by the morning yeah. frost, I guess, and so they like scoop up this dead cat and they put it in a bag, and then Fred Gwynn is like, "Oh, here, like this doesn't have to be the end. I got you." And they go to the 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 burial ground beyond the pet cemetery, and it's like a full day excursion. Yes, this is an eight hour hike there, and then eight hours back. Right, they they are both like utterly exhausted by the time they finish this, but they like climb some rocks and they're doing all these things. Like it's a pretty strenuous looking thing. They get up there, they bury the cat, and then the set for the actual burial ground is really cool looking. Like it's well designed. Um, again, it's just like stupid white like white people appropriating nonsense because I'm sure no native people were consulted <laughs> for the design of this thing. Right. I mean someone might have opened a book and just stolen a design from an actual native american tribe. That is it, entirely possible. It's possible. Um But I also think that like the idea of like you've gone past the pet cemetery, clearly something weird is going on. Fred Gwynn really hasn't explained himself at all. And then you get to like what is clearly a sacred site for a culture that is no longer here, right? Like it is Oh I've yeah. Been to I've been to places like this where you see, you know, uh, some sort of rock sculpture being the wrong word here, but structure. You know, rock formations and structures and or, you know, the ground has a specific pattern in it that's, you know, clearly been carved over years and years of use. Like the idea that you're like, all right, let me stick a shovel in this is so ridiculous to me. Yeah, it's oh God, so bad. Uh, so he buries the animal. He buries the cat and. Fred Gwynn makes him do it because the dead have because you have to bury your own. Um, right, it's a very specific rule they establish. Yeah, and again, wonder how they figured that out. Yeah, that seems like a trial and error situation. Yeah. Um. So he gets home and Fred Gwynn's like, "Hey, you should not tell anybody about what we did tonight." Right. And the doctor's like, "What did we do tonight?" Like, buddy, I think <laughs> it's a little too cute. I have a feeling that you know exactly what you did tonight. Yeah. And then the daughter calls, and the only thing she wants to do is ask about the cat. It's like she only has questions about the cat, how the cat's doing, what the cat's eating, if the cat could come meow into the phone, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And then he is like, I got to change the subject. Hey, where's Gage? Let me talk to your brother. And then it struck me, they had mentioned this kid's name a few times, but Gage is like a pretty wild name for this couple in 1984. Like, I agree. Gage, I love the name, but I, it, it is a weird like, choice. Yeah, Gage seems like the name that like a punk rock goth couple would name their kid. Oh yeah, um, but this is where I say like he's he. I think he he's like, realized what he's done, and he's it's like he's supposed to have this like thousand yard dead eyed stare, but that's what he's been the whole movie. So it just seems weird. Like it just seems stupid. Right. It's not a great change or anything because he you know has been pretty boring and then zombie cat yeah the cat eyes are really kind of cool and freaky 
And it's like he it's picks great it up. cat acting, I will say. It is great cat acting. And like at one point he picks it up and it's clearly just like a dirty but happy kitty. Like they just smeared a little strawberry jam on his back. Yeah, exactly. And he's just like, meh. <laughs> uh, and then he scratches the dock, which I thought was going to lead to something. And his no, just he scratches his face. Just he's aggressive. And so he goes over to Judd and be like, hey, Brock, give me the deets. And so Judd explains that when he was a child at 1900, he buried his dog up there. 1900. He said at one point, like 1920, he buried his yeah, dog. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the evil dog, the dog that came back from the dead, looks way more evil than the cat does. Yeah, but I also love that he's like, the dog came back and it wasn't the same. So I did that to you. Like, what? <laughs> you know that this doesn't go well. Why would you do it to somebody else? It, it seems so bizarre. Um, apparently in the book, animals don't come back evil. They just come back without personality. Like, they're just sort of like... Blank. Blank animal. Like, if you take, like, a, a blank, no feature, no color stuffed animal of a cat or a dog, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, boop. Yeah. They're like... You throw a ball, it hits him in the face kind of thing. Interesting. Which makes like more that's... sense why he would have done that, because, right. like... Right, That's way better justification. It's like, they don't come back the same could mean they just don't come back the same, not they are now evil, LOL. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, and then uh, the doctor's like, has anyone buried a person up there? Because, of course, the first question you ask... And Fred Gwynn's like, no, 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 Jesus is alive, that would never... <laughs> He reacts so theatrically. Like, he sweeps two beer <laughs> bottles off the table and almost, like, falls out of his chair. Like, the idea that the question would even be broached. And like you said, it's the obvious first question. Yeah. No shit. And I was like, yeah, okay, buddy. No one's buried a human up there yet. Wink, right. wink, wink. So the doctor runs himself a very nice-looking bath. Seems like a good tub time. Uh, except the water already looks dirty. Well, I mean, maybe he, he like, doesn't have the best. He like sits in it. He like literally sits in it, and already the water is like t- a tinge of like gross. And I was like, <laughs> "What happened? You just sat down." Um, he he sits down for maybe ten seconds and closes his eyes when a actual dead rat gets hucked into his bathtub. And at this point, I was like, "That's not necessarily evil cat. That could just be regular cat." Right. Absolutely. That seems like very on brand for a cat. mm Hmm. So it ruins his bath time. He, like, you know, sends the cat out of the bathroom. We cut to the next morning, and the family is deplaning from a prop plane. Like, it's I was Indiana like, Jones what kind stuff. of rich people plane is this nonsense? <laughs> yeah, it is a very, very small plane that they get out of. And, he and he's the on fam- the tarmac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was the 80s. You could do stuff like that. I guess. And the daughter is like... I dreamed that my cat died and that you buried it in the pet cemetery with Fred Gwynn. <laughs> and the dad's like, oh, I don't know why you'd think that, like tugging at his collar. Uh, no. And then uh, the the nurse, the maid kills herself. Yeah, she writes a note. It's like, I know it's cancer. I can't take this. And, and she t- hangs herself. Did Might as well have get- taken an Uber out of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Why she was in here to begin with, I don't know. Like, I thought the the hanged maid was going to be part of this cemetery through line and and nothing. But did you get, like, a weird two-second shot of the pet cemetery before we go to the maid's funeral? I don't remember. Maybe. Did you watch it on Prime or did you watch it on Hulu? Prime. Okay, so I watched it on Hulu, and it 
it weirded me out to the point that I backed it up several times. It was like, I think it might have been a mistake in some way, but it was like genuinely no more than two seconds of the, like maybe 50 frames of this, where it's like the maid hangs herself, Pet Cemetery, Stephen King is the preacher presiding over the funeral. And I was hmm. like, did that just happen? Like, it backed it up. It was very strange. Yeah, weird. I missed that. But yeah, Stephen King is Stephen King is the the preacher here with some like real ridiculous hair going. It's like almost mullety. It's sort of, sort of like halfway between flowing locks and a mullet. It's fair eighties hair. Yeah. Um. And Fred Gwynn is at the fu- it's the maid's funeral. Fred Gwynn is there, and the doctor and Ellie are there, and they have this weird cryptic conversation where uh the the doctor's like. Oh, my, someone always told me this, God sees the truth and waits. And I was like, the hell does that mean? (laughs) This is not very clear, sir. I've heard a lot of religious sayings. That one literally makes zero sense. Right, right. If the Lord can lead you to it, he can lead you through it. (laughs) Just bumper sticker wisdom from Fred Gwynn. Yeah, not mad about it. Uh, we go home, and the dad is explaining death to the daughter. It is a weirdly specific version of this conversation you have with, I'm going to guess, a six-year-old, seven-year-old. Right, right. Of, like, a lot of people believe different things, and nobody really knows the answer, and, you know, it's hard to, to you know, to know that stuff. Um, and the mom is, like, listening to it, and she comes to him later and is like, hey, I have a really big secret from my past I need to reveal to you after <laughs> years of marriage and several children together. And she starts talking about her sister. And now I want to be clear because, like, she says my sister had a type of meningitis. Spinal meningitis. Spinal meningitis. I went and looked up spinal meningitis, and this is, like, nowhere near what spinal meningitis looks like. So I don't know if King, like, tried to base it on something real and just picked the thing arbitrarily or he got confused. But Well, it would have been, like, the 60s. No, even, like, untreated spinal meningitis, you just die. Like, you don't. You don't like do this weird zombie thing that this guy, that this sister is, hmm. but it is straight up terrifying the way it she is tells this story. Horrifying and unsettling, and this is some so it's very original Evil Dead to me. Like the camera angles are suddenly shifted, the lighting is suddenly shifted. Yeah, even her design is pretty Evil Dead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when we were younger, th- so I this is a scene that I think I saw in clips. Because when we were younger, I want to say it was the Planet Hollywood in downtown Disney or something. Okay. Um, it, or it was like a Planet Hollywood, but I assume it was that one. And the the screens in a Planet Hollywood will show like movie clips and stuff. And we happened to be there at a time at a port where they were showing horror movie clips. And one, it was like Chucky and stuff like that. One that really scared me was from Poltergeist 2 or 3, where the little girl gets grabbed by her mirror reflection and lifted up. And that stuck with me forever. And so, like, I was always a little scared of mom and dad's bathroom mirror. Mom and dad specifically, not ours. Mom and dad specifically. I don't know why. I think it's because the bathroom in the the clip was like a big bathroom and mom and dad had a bigger bathroom. So, like, it scared me. And I think this was one of those clips, too, because I have just a distinct memory of this scene, like just this portion. And I never knew where it came from until like years later when I was like, oh, Pet Cemetery, that's what it is. That's really funny. 
but she so she it's terrifying. looks like a zombie. Yeah, like her back is this like gnarled mass of bones showing out. She straight up, uh, it's a man playing the character, but the character is a woman. Uh, looks like the zombie from the beginning of The Walking Dead, the one that like is missing most of her body on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original, the like I think the first scene of the first episode. Probably, I've never yeah. seen it. Um, so we cut from this like really horrifying story where the husband's like, "You never told me about this before. That's pretty weird." And also, all this time I've been hating your parents, and now it's like super justified. Right? Yeah. You could have at any point mentioned that, like, "Hey, my parents are garbage people." Yeah, my my parents chained my sister up basically in the cellar, and like. She was the black sheep of the family that we wanted to keep hidden. It's like, well, okay, that's pretty terrible. Yeah. Why do you still like your parents? Right, exactly. So we cut to a picnic with Fred Gwynn, who is like very quickly become part of this family, which is funny to me. He is their only neighbor. Right. Um, but they're like flying a kite. and It's telephone from a thousand miles away, but oh, the absolutely. tension is so well built. Yeah. So the little the dad's flying the kite and they give it to the little boy and he immediately drops it and instead of, the dad like doesn't go run and pick it up which is so odd to me that he's just right? like oh there goes the kite I guess chuckle 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 and they're all kind of like laughing it off it's like no go fix this this is a very fixable problem you just need yeah. to do it yeah I wonder so, if the original trailers showed like implied that this kid would die because I question. don't think I would ever expect a movie to be like oh this three-year-old kid gets hit by a semi-truck right and in front of his parents yeah and talking about like telegraphing it for the first time we've like we see a semi-truck driver in the truck like drink he's like drinking a, he's not drinking alcohol right he's just drinking like a soda. i think he's just drinking and play and play music right yeah so he's like a little bit distracted and like you know plowing his way along and then the kid wanders out in the road and i i thought they were gonna show it show it which like really i was like i can't watch this like i do not and just yeah they do cut but then you see like a bloody shoe go like kick it across the roadway it is so graphic even though you don't actually see it yeah it's horrible and it's the one good acting moment of the movie from the dad where he is like like heart ripped out of his chest right in front of you like screaming and it's like oh my god this is so awful but it's ruined with this stupid Polaroid transition. Yeah, no, it is pretty weird. Because it's this, like, intense scene, and he screams no, and the camera's, like, above him, looking in the street, and he's got some blood on him, so you know he was close enough to the impact. Right, right. And as he's screaming no, it cuts to a Polaroid of him, like, holding the naked baby. Yeah. And, like, the wife with the baby in the bath. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, let this... That's not how you get out of that. You can't do right. that. Right. Fade to black for two seconds and just, like, hold it, you know? Yeah. But they're, like, looking through photos of the kid, and they go to the funeral, and the grandfather takes a swing at the dad, which is just buck wild. And then the dad ends up hitting the casket, which opens a little bit. No, I think the the grandfather falls into the casket. Oh, I thought the dad fell into the casket. Okay. I thought it was the grandfather who, like, knocked the casket over, and yeah. it, like, pops open. Yeah. Um, I will say, not that it matters, because I, the, the emotional impact of the scene is fine, but, like, casket's locked. <laughs> like, funeral people have foreseen this possibility. Not a fist fight, obviously, you would hope, but, like, something going awry <laughs> and something funeral protocol happening. for a fist fight. Right. Like, oh, I'm sure it exists. 
but also like again not to be graphic but with how gage died i'm not sure what's in the casket this is a close well you see his hand no but i i mean i'm not sure what should in the event of you know death by semi-truck i'm not sure what actually goes in the casket right yeah i i get what you're saying um we go back home and the daughter keeps being like hey god is gonna bring gage back right like let's let's god god's gonna do it and Fred Gwynn has been like, you know, at the house helping them out, and he comes into him, comes into the kitchen where the dad is, and he's like, I know what you're thinking. You absolutely cannot do this. Like, this is not the thing to do. It will not go the way you think it will. You absolutely cannot do this. And I was thinking, like, I thought it needed to be like a body, not a buried body that went through a funeral home. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like. Oh, like an unclaimed right. body kind of thing? Right. Like an un... I don't want to... I'm not... It's a weird word to use. But like processed, for lack of a better word, like has not Okay, no, that's fair. Embalmed and whatever else has just seemed odd to me. Um, that's fair. But, but he... he that's, this is where you get the famous line of the movie of like, sometimes dead is better. And uh, he tells the story of this local boy, Timmy, who was... Uh, basically came back as a zombie and was like really violent. And there's this like really odd blocking of the scene where it's Fred Gwynn and a bunch of guys show up with like gasoline and, and guns to like, they're going to burn the house down. And they like run up to the door of the house where the dad and the zombie kid are like right, like inches away from them. And they're like, come on, you got to get out. And the dad's like, no, 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 he's my son. I could never do that to my son. And the zombie like tackles him. And they're just, like, pouring gasoline on this house and setting it on fire, not trying to help their friend who's clearly being attacked. Well, I guess he doesn't want help. Their, their help <laughs> is burning. Yeah. So they and burn so, like, this house down. This was about, because I wrote, I was like, there's a lot of God talk in this movie, which makes it even weirder that it's a Native American burial ground. Like, Absolutely, yeah. And then two seconds later, all the, the, the white Christian people are like, it's an abomination. It's unnatural. We have to kill it. And I was like, right. Oh, that's why it's a native burial ground. Right, right. Because right. it's not Christian. Got yes, it. exactly. Exactly. It should have been deal with the devilly. I feel like that has so much more impact. Yeah, I, I think well, you're... if you're going to bring up so much God, and the movie tends to bring up right. the afterlife and God, and I, and I feel like, and like the way he brings up, like, I think the, the burial ground killed your son so that you would do this. But right. It's never explained, like, what the burial ground has to gain. Like, what is – why the burial ground would want that to happen. You know what I mean? I think it wants to be, like, fed, sort of. Yeah, but, like, that's what – like, it's unclear. It right. would be no, nicer if there you. was, like, an, a singular entity who was, like, I am the spirit of the burial ground and I want X. Right. So the daughter's having weird premonition dreams about the dad, like, doing something with Gage or Gage coming back and – the mom is like, I got to get her out of here. I'm going to my parents' house. You should come too. And he's like, nah, <laughs> your dad punched me at our son's funeral. No, so he I'm says I have to clean. No, he is. The plan is for him to go eventually. Oh, okay. He I just has to take care of some stuff because they just moved here. So. And they, the dad, okay. The grandfather is like, hey, I lost my head. I'm sorry. Yeah. And gives yeah. him a handshake. And I was like, eat dirt and, like, eat yes. shit and die, trash. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I would not shake your hand there. It's like, uh, sorry, no. You uh, you suck. 
I'm never going to forgive you for punching me at my son's funeral. And knocking over his casket. Right. Um, but the dad is like, all right, I'm going to unbury my son, and then I'll do the pet cemetery thing. And then if he comes back and he's bad, I'll just kill him again, and the family will never know. And it's like, this is a weird plan you're trying to execute, sir. This plan needs some rewrites. Let's run this plan by a couple friends. Right. See how they react. So the the ghost kid gives bad dreams to the mom and the daughter, and they're like, somehow the mom seems to know in Chicago what he's going to do, which I don't get, because like, she doesn't know about the cat. Well, it's so... the. It's because the daughter says, Pasquale, or Pax, pa- whatever, told Pax-cal, me. Pascal, I think she called it. Pascal, yeah. Pascal told me that daddy was going to do something, was something bad that he shouldn't do. And then the mom realizes, somehow knows that Pascal was the name of that dead college kid. Right. And realizes that that she shouldn't know that kid's name, and that means something is weird. Right, but it's like, she calls Judd to, like, get involved, and- is like he just he's going to do something bad. So of course Judd immediately knows. But it just seemed to me that like the mom knew what was going on. I thought that was very strange. Yeah, it's weird. Also, the mom can hear the ghost. It's weird. I don't understand yeah. this ghost. So he's in the cemetery exhuming the body. The cops show up and don't think this unearthed like this yeah, open they look grave directly is at this open grave and don't make any. Yeah, it's very odd. He's holding uh, his his dead son at the grave. And then we go back to uh, mom in Chicago, and all the pictures in the house are crooked and spooky. And we see Zelda again, and she's so scary. Yeah, she really is a terrifying cat. Cat. So the mom... Sorry. <laughs> I said cat. It's her sister. <laughs> I was like, did you mean cat like you're like a 19... Like a jazz singer? Like you're one cool cat. She's a cool cat. No, I, I <laughs> forgot that sister's name was Zelda, because Zelda to me... Outside of Nintendo, seems like a name for a cat. Well, and Sabrina. And Zelda. Oh, that's true. That's true. Anyway, Zelda is her sister. I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> we're doing all our recordings either early in the morning or late at night recently, and it's really throwing me off my rhythm here. It's real I'm weird. calling people cats. Um, and then we get a weird uh, American Werewolf in London shot of the dead college kid on the plane with her. Right. In his right. own seat. Yeah. Just like, in, he's like, can I get a Bloody Mary? They taste better up here. Yeah, they do. It's like a science thing with your with your taste. Oh, I know. I tell everybody that. No, I'm saying that was him saying that. Oh, got it. <laughs> I was like, you told me that. Yeah, no, I wanted the, the zombie saying it to the wood. And for some reason, her, like, it's not explained that, like, this flight is late or her connecting flight is leaving early, but she is, like, home alone sprinting through the airport it's to get to her connecting flight. Yeah. We should, that should, we should edit that together. Yeah. <laughs> for the YouTube channel. Yes. And he stops the door from closing. And I was like, but if she has a connecting, f- like, wait a minute. Yeah, they typically help out passengers in this situation. Yeah. Um, Fred Gwynn is sleep smoking, and I thought that was going to lead to him, like, burning alive. But nothing comes of it. He just falls asleep while smoking, and that's it. Yeah. And there's a very evil dead sequence as uh, the doctor carries the kid to the burial ground. It's like, a really blue, black and blue shot of a forest, and he's sort of mid to far ground away from the camera, and then a tree falls over for no spooky reason, and it's it just feels very Evil Dead. Uh, absolutely, yeah, it did have a, a very uh, first Evil Dead vibe for sure. 
Mm-hmm. The mom gets into a car crash on her way home, and the ghost- Apparently, the burial ground did it? Yeah. And the ghost is like, no, you gotta keep going. Get get back in the you know, get, get you gotta keep going. You gotta you gotta keep going. This is don't don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop till you get enough. Um, yes. But like here's the thing. If you want to if you want me to understand and believe that the burial ground is trying to stop her, when her tire blew out, we should have had that screechy Wendigo sound that oh, we yeah. heard in the forest. Yeah, like, that would have made a lot of sense. You're right. Give me a few connecting pieces. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. Because right now we got we got all edge pieces and the box is empty. This puzzle right. box is empty. And we've got only the border. I also like like the even the undead cat is trying to stop the dad from taking the kid up to the cemetery and doing this. Like it's like hissing at him and screeching and trying to block his path. And it's like, bro, even the zombie cat thinks this is a bad idea. <laughs> the cat that is is like actively exists because of this burial ground. Whatever vestige of your old cat in there is like, no, do not do this to another soul. This is torture. Please don't. I'm gonna. It's like Buffy in the musical episode. Don't do this. Precisely. Um, and then we get an unnecessary, stupid-looking special effect. Where was it? The grandfather's face? I couldn't tell whose face it was. Appears like it looks like the effect from the first episode of Goosebumps, where all the masks <laughs> float forward. Yeah. But it's like someone's head transforms from a monster into a person's face. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who it's like. There's like water down below that's like spinning and surging and a face comes out of it at him. And I I don't know who it's supposed to be. Maybe the grandpa. I I could not tell. Unclear. So he buries Gage and he goes home. And uh, later we see Gage getting a scalpel. So we get a real baby hand behind some rocks. Yes. Pushing out, which is great. And then clearly, so they only cast one kid as Gage. Like, this kid doesn't have a twin, so Gage oh, is one kid. Um, yeah, because so that's it looks, why it's all these hand shots, because they were that's like, why this is all, because I was here. like, oh, well, they did not bother hiring, bringing Gage in for this shot. Right. So it's all, like, just standard white baby hand opening this case <laughs> and grabbing the scalpel. And, like, do you think scalpels are normally housed in like velvet lined leather boxes on their it, own? It's very weird. It's this. Do- it's like the doctor's fancy pen, but it's a scalpel. It's so weird. Also, yeah, the crazy thing. I learned this for watching the dead meat thing. The guy who did special effects on this movie is David Lance Anderson, I believe, who okay. shortly after this movie married Heather Langenkamp. Oh. Who and they now do special effects together, but he played himself in New Nightmare as Heather Langenkamp's husband, and their child was Gage. Wow, you're really turning this into the Langenkast. This you're trying your I best. Love Heather Langenkamp, and the fact that she does special effects, she does special effects makeup now is yeah, that's really cool such idea. a great. It's like it's it makes so much sense for like a scream queen who like doesn't want to act anymore, right? What else do you do with all this knowledge that you have from... Is is it a genuine doesn't want to, or is it a Hollywood being like, you're 33, you're useless to us? I don't know. I I can't imagine I would still want to after, like, <laughs> 10 Nightmare on Elm Street movies and, like, all the nastiness that's happened. Yeah, no, that's true. Just probably like, look, Wes Craven, call me again and I'll punch you in the throat. <laughs> I imagine they have a pretty good relationship. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. 
by all accounts, he he was lovely and she was also lovely. Right, right. Uh, so the kid is hunting Fred Gwynn, who absolutely immediately knows what's up and is like, I'm going to kill this kid. <laughs> yeah, he is not effing around. I wish he had a shotgun. That's the yeah. other thing. I wish yeah. he was like, Ch-ch-ch. yes. Um, but there's like some real Evil Dead shots here. I know we keep saying that, but and I, it's not like a knock on the movie. If you're gonna steal, you should steal from the best. But it's like these sort of like tilty angles, and the house, you know, feels very Evil Dead like. And it's a very scary sequence where the Gage is toying with Fred Gwynn, like he's throwing a ball in one room and then laughing in another room, and then hiding under a bed at the upstairs. Yeah. And you hear, like, little creepy kid feet, which is always unsettling. And giggles. Yeah. I hate Achilles tendon stuff, and that is exactly what happens. But my, I will say, like, Fred Gwynn does know what this is, and he doesn't just set his house on fire and run out the front door, which is what I would do. Especially because he was already outside. Right. He was not inside and got locked in. Right. He was outside on the front porch. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that he wouldn't just be like, well, see ya. Whoosh. Oh, yeah? Uh, so yeah, he slices his Achilles tendon, slices open his mouth, and then he does chomp, a real chomp, Joker chomp. cut to his mouth. Yeah, and then chomps on his neck, and poor Judd is gone. Yeah, later we see his whole jaw is like pulled off, which we don't see on screen. But it does like I don't know how the heck that part happened. Yeah, right. So the mom gets dropped off by a, a, a truck driver at the house, and Pascal is in the truck, and the driver's like, "Well." This is as far as I go. I'll see you. And Pascal's like, I can't come along either. This is where this, they won't let me go any further. I can't help you anymore. This is the end of it. And it's like, what? Who? Yes. Yeah, like, Who what are you talking about? Rule? Right. Like, if it's the burial ground, won't let him get any further, then say that. Like, they won't let me come any closer or something. But, like, you were in the house before, so clearly you were able to get there before. I don't know what's going on. Or, like, let him start to go with her and then start to dissolve and be yes. like, oh, no. Yeah. Something better than him just, like, Your literally taking. <laughs> better than him literally taking a truck ride out of the movie. Hey, if you give me a few stars. <laughs> I'll still forget. do the seltzer water and the don't, gum in the back seat. Don't, don't forget five stars. Five stars, please. I'll do the same for you. You're a lovely guest. I was so happy to drive you tonight. Did I tell you a tangent about the actual <laughs> Uber driver I had? No. So when uh, my boyfriend and I went to Florida in the beginning of February, it was like a f- 6 a.m. flight. So we were, it's like 4 a.m. and we call the Uber and he picks us up and I go to open his, we, he goes to open his trunk and it they, like doesn't have the, whatever the mechanism that holds it open is clearly broken. Yeah. And so it started to fall again and I caught it and pushed it up and put my stuff in. And, like, if you pushed it all the way up, it would stay there. But if you just kind of opened it, it would open and shut again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get to the airport in 20 minutes, and I'm so tired, I forget this fact. Uh-oh. And so I go to open the trunk, and it opens and then slams right into my boyfriend's eye. Oh, my God! Yeah, and so he runs off, and I was like, ah, ah, and I grab our... I grab our suitcases and I slam the thing and I run over to him and I was like, hang on. I was like, let's get inside where there's light and I'll take a look at it. And he pulls his hand away and he's got like a little scratch by his eye. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's not even bleeding. Like, you're totally fine. Like, it's just a scratch. You're going to be fine. It'll hurt. It hurts. I'm sorry, but you're fine. And then I saw the bright red start to like bubble up and I was like, never mind. Oh, God. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) 
And so I'm like rummaging through her bag. I'm like, here's, here's a makeup wipe. And here's, here's tissues. And here's this. We're going to get you some ice when we sit down. I'm so sorry. And so like in my room, I was like, when you, when you rate and, and like review your Uber driver, you can like leave a note. And so I was like, hey, I'm not like, we're not mad. We're not like going to do anything. I just want to let you know because other passengers might do something. Right. Your trunk hit him in the face because it's broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely get that fixed soon. Like, five stars, normal tip. Like, you were yeah. a, really, a really great driver, like a personable person otherwise. Right, but like, right. Just a heads up. Right, kind of a big error. Yeah, and so luckily we iced it so much and like i put we put neosporin on it on the planes so like he was totally fine by the time we got to florida like it was pretty good yikes that sounds really bad yeah so the mom hops out of the uber truck and uh the driver's like see you later and she goes across the street to fred gwynn's house at which point the cat again tries to save the day even though it's an evil zombie cat and is i don't think he's trying to save the day the cat is definitely trying to get her not to go in there. I think the cat's just being... <sighs> no, it's, like, blocking her path. It's a cat. Cats don't really block paths. Oh, come on. It is, like, hissing at her and being... It's very clearly giving her stay-away vibes. Oh, I thought it was giving her predatory vibes. No, I, if the cat was evil, it would chase her into the house. I guess. I thought it was just there as, like, I'm gonna get you. No, I thought the cat was trying to warn her. And um, I was like, we have to see Zelda again, don't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Judd is, she hears Judd, she thinks she hears Judd screaming for help, and then there's this, like, weird, like, tubin throat singing type uh, soundtrack stuff yeah. going on. And the upstairs of Fred Gwynn's house turns into her parents' house? Yes, it was just a cool effect. And then she opens the door, and it's Fred Gwynn's room, and her sister's there, and I was like, no, 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 she's gonna, and she's in the corner. yeah. Uh, she's gonna run the camera. She's running the goddamn camera. Yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 actor who plays Zelda is really scary. Yeah. Um, and Zelda runs at her and is like, "I'm gonna twist. You, I'm gonna break your back like mine, so you can't. You'll never get out of bed." Yeah, yeah. And when Mom closes her eyes, it turns into Gage, who's holding a scalpel. Right. And she's still like, "Oh, let me hug you." Yeah, it's very very odd. And also, like, I feel like she would be alarmed that seeing her child after having a funeral for him yeah you would think and then she gets an off-screen death yeah i was really annoyed by that like like i don't know if it's they were trying to not traumatize this child or what but it was really weird that they did that uh, all i wrote was hopefully that means no more zelda yeah <laughs> mercifully it is because i did not did not need to see any more zelda back at the other house the dad hits his head and then decides, like, oh, Gage is back. He sees, like, little muddy feet all over the house and is like, oh, I got to go hunt my child now. Exactly. Um, and that at this point, the phone rings and Gage is like, I just got done playing with Mommy and Fred Gwynn. Now you should come play. It's really great because out of context, it's great. It's great writing for a child because out of context, like, if you change the tone, that wouldn't be, this isn't a creepy conversation. Right. Exactly. If this was like a dad on a business trip calling to check in with his family, this is an adorable conversation. But in this context, it's scary. Right, right. So the dad is like, I'm going to mix up some some poison with the syringe and walks across to Fred Gwynn's house and the cat tries to intervene and he injects the cat with poison and just like leaves the syringe in the cat as it like rises around and dies. Although, again, it's like a very- It doesn't writhe around. It's- 
it just goes it's just well it's because it's it was a sedated cat it was a real sedated cat oh my gosh okay that's not good no, no no it was done by a veterinarian the humane society was on set okay it's like it was like covered um because i was like that cat is i was like that looks like because i saw a video of a, a, this guy who does veterinary anesthesia yeah and he was like in case you ever wonder what cats look like when they're coming out of anesthesia it's this and they <laughs> they look so derpy because they all their tongue just involuntarily hangs out of their mouth oh interesting and their eyes are like half open so they look like weird stoner cats yeah 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 that makes sense and I was like, oh, it kind of looks like that. And that's what it was. So he opens Fred Gwynn's house. And this is like a true, this is the last time I'm going to say this, the tr- evil a true evil dead thing. It's like everything's overgrown and there's like things in weird places in the furniture. Mossy all- and rotted. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, we don't see Gage, but we can hear him like calling to his dad and like kind of cat, call- or not cat calling. Um, <laughs> he's, <laughs> Jesus. He's like heckling his dad almost of like. Yeah. Hey, Dad. <laughs> hey, you Daddy. Good killing that cat, Daddy O. <laughs> the kid is also a jazz singer. <laughs> he's like leaning. He's got like a hard hat on and an orange safety vest. His cigarette dangling. One foot like propped up on the thing. <laughs> like leaning back from one foot, foot on the wall. And then, so he discovers Fred Gwynn's, dis- like, mangled body. It's a cool dummy. It is. And then mom tumbles down from the attic, like, not hanged. Right. She's, like, trussed up by the shoulders, like it's a like it's a safety thing. She's supposed yes. to look like she's hanged. Yes. And then the kid does, the like... The fakest baby. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like... It's up in the attic. It clearly is a fake baby. And then clearly is just, uh, again, the same fake baby flying through the air. They throw it at him. They're like, eee! And he gets tackled by this very ridiculous dummy. And they and he they stabs fight. his dad, like, a bunch of times. He's oh, just he, like, like carves him like a turkey. Him, yeah, with his scalpel. And then finally the dad gets the upper hand and injects the kid in the neck. And... This is where it's real kid again, and he looks so sad. It breaks your heart. And he says, no fair, and then, like, crumbles to his death. And it really takes a lot of the, like, it takes a lot of the, oh, this is really good and creepy out of it for me when it, like, ends so strangely. Yeah, because he, like, stumbles over, he, the, he, the poor kid actor actually trips over a, a ladder on the ground. Yeah, he does fall hard. And, <laughs> poor kid ate shit. And then... Uh, the dad sets the whole house on fire and takes his wife out. Yeah, and is like muttering to himself, like, "I waited too long. This time it'll be fine. This is this is going to work this time." No, right, white man. Yeah, it's like you saw this doesn't work, and you knew it wouldn't work from warning. But he's like so grief stricken, he's not thinking straight. But I was thinking at this point, like, the the wife doesn't know about the cat, so she's supposed to like come home. To the dad with their son again, who's who she she thinks the son is dead, and the son they're just supposed to be like like in his version of it they're just like having pancakes and like hey mom hey sis he's not actually dead like how are you going to explain this to people? Honestly, I kind of like that movie better, <laughs> where like she comes home, where like the movie stops following like 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 Gage comes back completely fine. Yeah. Mom comes home thinking something's wrong and is like, "Wait, how the hell is he back?" Right. And she's like, "This isn't right." And like, is he going to kill her? Like, is right. he going to let her leave? What's right. the deal going to be? Yeah, no, I think that would be really cool. It's not what they do here, but it would be really cool. No. 
He buries her, and a, the college kid comes back again, even though I thought this was as far as he could go. Right, right. And he begs him not to do this, is, like, screaming at him, like, you you just saw this happen, you idiot. Like, don't do this again. And why does he have such high stakes in this? Yeah, I, that part still baffles me. Like, if it was a friend or, like, if it was the maid, it would make sense. Like, even, yes, yes. Like the, the maid has a local connection. She died, like. Or Fred Gwynn. Right, yeah, anyone. Doesn't make sense. But he does it again. Um, and this, he waits in his kitchen. And I was like, hey, if you buried her all the way out on your eight-hour trek. Right. Just wait there. Yeah, exactly. Just wait but there. He comes home and is, like, waiting in the kitchen. And she comes in the door with, like, a good portion of her face missing. It's like And melting orange juice. Yes. It's really gnarly looking. But I like, lo- I wrote, That is literally verbatim what I wrote. Gnarly. Like, gnarly yeah no it's, she's it's, awesomely gnarly yeah um and she like kisses him and he there he's getting like her goop all over him as they kiss and then yeah. she picks up a kitchen knife and kills him cut to black roll credits right. yeah end of movie um so yeah final thoughts it's a, a wonderful breath of fresh air i mean we have i've enjoyed i feel like we've hit a run of pretty good movies lately yeah it's it's been i think three in a row that i think are going to be both recommends like i i I think this is a really solidly made horror movie i the zelda stuff is genuinely unsettling in a way that i'm not looking forward because i saw zelda in the trailer for the new one i'm not looking forward to it yeah no i saw her weird creepy back crawling on the floor and i was like i'll still go see it though yeah no i yeah i have like four things i need to see i need to see us dumbo the uh, pet cemetery. There's a lot going on. I just love Danny DeVito as the ringmaster in that Dumbo trailer. Like it Whoa. seems like it seems like our bad Danny DeVito impression in this movie. Yeah, I still I still like the at, at Christmas time. Trip and I made the joke of casting Danny DeVito in roles he has no business being in. Right, right, right. And it's a really fun game to play. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I th- He apparently did some testing for that Detective Pikachu, which is something people had hoped for. Uh, oh, my God. We, but that was our joke. Yes, they went a different... Well, I I had heard... I didn't make that up. I had heard that... that oh, was I had not. They were considering. But, um, yeah, apparently they did do some testing for that, which I would have loved to see. I, honestly, Danny DeVito as Judd in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, no, I'd be fine with that. I, Sometimes Danny DeVito. dead is better. <laughs> Shoves an egg in his mouth. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, eating an egg. Um, yeah, I would. Good lord, I would totally recommend this movie. I think it's really solid. <laughs> he throws the shovels and he pulls out a pack of eggs and he's just gotta bury your own. Just like shoveling eggs as someone <laughs> buries their child. <laughs> oh man, he did a really funny video. Um, for I think the New York Times, he was on a, he was in a play where he had to eat an egg on stage every night, and, okay. And he like would he used a cane in the in the move in the roll hole, and he like uses the cane to tap the egg open. But he was like part of the you know he eats an egg every day on stage, and so he was like explaining the process and how you have to like eat the egg quickly in order to be able to do your job and act again. But it was it's a very entertaining like three minute. If you Google Dan DeVito eating egg, I'm sure you would find it. That's probably there's probably a lot. If well, I Google yes. to be eating it, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, um, but yeah, strong recommend. I think it's a really yeah. solid action movie. It's easily available. With, action you know, movie? God, I told you these late night records. <laughs> uh, solid horror movie. Um, 
uh, easily available on Hulu and Prime. Although I would wager that that might expire as the new one comes out because it always yeah. So Prime literally says expires March thirty first. It goes away March thirty first. Oh, that's a bummer. People won't be able to get it there. So hopefully, oh, you're right. I'm sorry, I forget. Yeah, Yeah, this this episode comes out after that. So hopefully, it's still on Hulu. I don't know if it will be. Um, But yeah, solid solid movie, worth your time, and uh, definitely worth checking out. I'm looking forward to the new one too. I'm excited to see. Yeah, because I think this is one of those remake situations where this movie is good, but could definitely be better. And so there's like lots of room for improvement. I think it's perfectly fine to do a remake here. Maybe we'll do a Back to the Future when it comes out. Yeah, if we both see it and it lines up, that might be make a lot of sense. Um, Thank you all so much for listening to the show. This was, uh, we should have mentioned at the top, the first of uh, Absit Moa. Andrew programs the show in the month of April, our latest uh, annual tradition on this program. And uh, we will be back in two weeks. But before that, just a couple of quick things. Check us out on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. You can get a bunch of bonus content there if you join one of our pledge tiers. Uh, from getting our monthly e- email that tells you what's coming up and some other fun stuff from us all the way up to programming your own episode, which uh, two people are going to be doing later this year. So yeah, patreon.com slash dissecting the eighties and check it out there uh, from $2 all the way up to 88. If you really want to get crazy. Uh, we also are on Facebook and on Twitter. It's at dissect the eighties on Twitter and you can just search for us on Facebook and uh, if you want to get in touch with us, yeah, those places are great. And you can also email the show at dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear your questions or comments or whatever. Uh, and lastly, um, don't forget to review the show wherever you get it. Uh, iTunes helps us the most, but we'll take whatever you can do. And if it's not on iTunes, uh, send us a screenshot and we will make sure that we read that on the air. So I don't know what's next for the show, but I have a hunch that we might be tying into perhaps – you know the greatest crossover event in, in this century with uh, the Avengers. I feel like I feel like maybe you're tying into that uh, somehow. I'm excited to see what you're going to say. So, Avengers colon. <sighs> we lost all. We all lost a lot of people, a lot of family, a lot of friends. But now we're gonna probably go die fighting this all-powerful being. Except I doubt it. And also Carol Danvers is here with a butterfly clip. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are we tying into the greatest crossover event in, in, in this century or what, what are we doing next for, uh, yeah, we're going to cross over my favorite show with the show that you liked more than I, uh, it was the Magnum PI meets murder. She wrote, Oh boy. Uh, Magnum PI, Magnum PI was the first ever, uh, piece of fan interaction we had. And it was a person very upset with us. Not like we picked an episode they thought was a dud and thought it was really dumb that we didn't do better research to pick something else. Uh, They were very upset. So if that person is still listening literally four years later, uh, this this maybe will be a chance for Magnum P.I. to redeem itself. Maybe. I wonder why more shows don't do crossovers anymore. They do sometimes. Um. There's an episode of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine that has a crossover for, like, 10 seconds with the new girl. Really? Interesting. Yeah. She, like, I she like goes to New York for some reason, and she, like, has her car commandeered by Andy... Sandberg. Sandberg's character. Thank you. Um, and he, like, steals her car to do, like, a ch- police chase, and then that's it. She's out of this show. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. They don't, they don't do that anymore, but... Uh, Seems plenty of opportunities. Don't those Marvel shows do it? Didn't they do? I mean, I guess that's well. So they they did they did the they did their movie thing 
for their TV shows. So they released four different shows, then then the fifth show was a combination of all those characters. Uh, I got all the punchers united. I watched Jessica Jones season one and then watched the tie-in of everybody because I was like, I don't have time right now. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't my... Marvel TV was not my Huckleberry. Um, But anyway, that will be April 22nd. So uh, keep uh, an ear out for that, I guess. Thank you again for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until April 22nd. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.